Um, this morning, I'm going to uh, preach to you out of the book of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're going to go uh, three different places in this one chapter. And so go to Luke chapter 2, verse 15. And uh, when you're there, holler out amen for me. Um, but right now, while you're turning there, uh, Mother's Day can be a very exciting day for a lot of people. But I do want to recognize the fact that for some, Mother's Day is not necessarily the brightest day. For some, there are um, people who have suffered great loss from Mother's Day. A mama might have passed away. Some of you might not have had a good mom. Some of you might not have a Christian mom. Some of you might want to be a mom, but you, you're not able to become a mom. And so for you this morning, I want you to know that we serve a God who can turn things around. We serve a God who can turn things around. And I don't want your heart to be troubled this morning uh, in, in your sorrow and in your weeping. For those of you who might have lost a mom, uh, for those of you who didn't have the best mom growing up, for those of you who are wanting to become a mom but you can't, I want you to know our, our God turns things around. He, in our weakness, he is made strong. In our weakness, he is made strong. I, I've seen miracles with my eyes. I've seen a God do miraculous things. And if you're someone who wants to be a mom but you can't, I want you to know that we have a God who heals. We have a God who can, who can take that barren womb and produce fruit from it. I want you to know we have a God who can heal your hurting heart. And uh, this morning, if that's you, I just hope you find some peace and acknowledge that the Lord's on your side and he can bring you hope if you'll give it to him. Amen. 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 Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 19. Now, I think we're all aware of this story. If we've been raised in church or even visited church on a Christmas, I think we're well aware of this uh, story that I'm about to read from. Uh, you know, baby Jesus was just born in a manger. Uh, they didn't have room for Mary and Joseph in the end to deliver this baby, so he was sent to a, a stall. And uh, baby Jesus was born in a manger. And right here, uh, shepherds were out in their fields uh, keeping watch over their flocks when all of a sudden a whole bunch of angels just appeared. They started testifying of the glory that is uh, the newborn Christ. And so we're going to pick up right here in verse 15. And it says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven talking about them having left the, uh, the, the shepherds. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But this is what's important right here. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, I want you to jump over with me to the same book, uh, Luke chapter 2. But go with me to verse 25. Uh, Baby Jesus, he's been born, and now they're taking him to uh, the temple to be consecrated uh, before the Lord, something that you could probably liken to a baby dedication in a way. They were bringing him to the temple to be blessed and for whatever God would do with his life. And so it says in verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. And when the parents uh, brought in the child Jesus to, uh, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And it says in verse 33, The child's father and mother marveled. They marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And this is important right here. And a sword will pierce your soul, your own soul too. A sword will pierce your own soul too. Now our last time we're going to jump in uh, Luke chapter 2. We're going to go down to verse 41. And from verse 35 to verse 41, I want you to know that 12 years has passed. Okay? That's a very active set of scripture right there. All right? Verse 41, it says, Every year his parents, talking about Jesus, uh, went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, okay, he was an infant. Now he's a 12-year-old. They went up to the feast according to the custom. And after the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, uh, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Imagine that. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began uh, looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. Wouldn't you? They were astonished. His mother said to him, son, you know something's wrong then. Your mom ever said, son, shivers down your spine. Uh, his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Has your mom ever said that? said, boy, why are you treating me like this? Put a little southern uh, swing into that. And uh, she said, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And, and, and church, listen to this. It says, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, I come before you in the mighty, the matchless name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We give you glory, Lord. We give you praise. We got, especially today, we give you thanks because you've given this world a beautiful gift, an overworked and underappreciated gift, the gift of a mother. And, Lord, this morning in this sermon, I pray that each one of us would glean something valuable to take home. But, Lord, I especially pray that you would uh, make the hearts of all the mothers a little bit lighter this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray you'd anoint every listener as well as myself as I preach this word. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. It, uh, it has often been said, and rightfully so, 
that men have no clue what's going on inside of a woman's brain. I expected that response. It has been said so many times, and most of the time, most of the time when someone makes a comment of that nature, it is done humorously, but always with an undertone of deep sincerity. You can count on it, because we know that it's true. Men are all well aware of the fact that we are not wired like you females and mothers are, okay? I think that God kept the mental process of male and female so different because if we all thought collectively as males, we would be completely utilitarian and everything would be the same color brown, right? It would be functionality over attractiveness winning 100% of the time. Isn't that right? That's right. While if we thought all like females, well, we'd just flat out become too powerful, wouldn't we? We would become too powerful. There'd be nothing left to organize after the first week. Uh, clothes would be color-coordinated by the season, and uh, everything would smell good, right? That's about the long and short of it. Uh, men don't think like females. We aren't supposed to think like females, so we aren't going to get what's in your head, moms. But, but, one thing that we have been given an indication of, at least a small uh, indication of, is what is in your heart. What's in your heart? The heart of a mother. What makes the heart of a mother? The heart of a mother is a special thing, isn't it? It's a very special thing. To uh, the heart of a child, there's nothing nearer than the heart of a mother. The heart of a mother, it, it transcends beyond mere human organ and it reaches to a heavenly originated and ordained institution. From the heart of a mother, a, a civilization is cradled. From the heart of a mother does her wisdom instruct at the university of the home. The heart of a mother is a divine assembly constructed in the workshop of God's mercy. Where would we be without the heart of a mother or a mother figure? Amen? Amen. The word says the child left to themselves will bring disgrace against a mother. So it is a grace of God to have the figure of a mother in your life, someone to be present and active, to love us when we're unlovable, to hold on to us when we want to pull away, to level our heads uh, when we're about to burst, to understand us when we feel misunderstood, to save the day when we need a rescue, and occasionally if we're honest, to slap some sense into us when we're acting a fool, right? Something radical happens when a woman gives birth to a child because a rewiring takes place. A rewiring takes place, and this once sweet girl somehow turns into a cross somewhere between a lightning bolt and a grizzly bear. I'm not sure where it completely lands. I'm thinking a little bit closer to the side of a grizzly bear because all of a sudden, all of a sudden, her entire world has changed and now revolves around the development of this child in the greatest environment possible. You see, the heart of a mother is for the uplifting of her children. The heart of a mother is uh, for the fulfillment of her child's life in God's will. Do you agree this morning? In our text, we saw Mary uh, and Mary was going through the first three steps that were recorded in the Bible 
regarding uh, her journey of motherhood. The first step she went through was the birth of Christ, and then the shepherds who came and visited and testified of the uh, mighty encounter that they had with angels. The second uh, 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 step in her journey was consecrating Jesus as an infant uh, to the Lord in the temple with Simeon. And then the third uh, step she took was going on a search and rescue mission 12 years later for a son that they left in Jerusalem. Right? You know, that's a, really, that's probably a very, uh, one of the most active chapters in the Bible. Uh, we skipped a whole bunch of that chapter, and there's still a 12-year span that happened within it. But you see, in every one of those passages of Scripture, what did we read? We read that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. We read that Mary marveled at what was said about him. We read, again, 12 years later, that Mary treasured all these things in her heart. And I think that you moms could probably relate today to what Mary felt at all three of those steps uh, within your own context of living, understanding how she was treasuring the moments and pondering the journey. I'm not a parent, thank God. But, uh, not right, not this time, but I cannot imagine what it would feel like to leave a child or even a sibling of 12 years old in a city, number one, that you do not frequent, and number two, leaving him in a city uh, without any contact for three days. As a mom, does that put a little bit of a panic in your heart? Talk about a panic. Now, I'm going to tell you a story real quick, and this story dulls in comparison to what Mary went through, but I think I, I, I would venture to guess that you parents could uh, uh, probably relate somewhat to this, okay? So I, I can remember <clears throat> as a young teenager, maybe even 11 or 12, uh, my family was out with some friends, and some of you friends are in this room right now, Y'all were out, they were out with some friends at a restaurant up in the Dallas area, okay? And we were seated outside of this barbecue joint, all right? We were seated out in the outside uh, uh, dining area. And this outside seating, uh, picture it with me, it had a short stone barrier type rock, I'm going to call it a fence, okay, that enclosed the dining area for the outside portion of the restaurant, and it separated it from the parking lot. Now, there was a small gate that opened up to the parking lot. And uh, it, was, it was dark out during the evening time, and all of the adults were having a good time, uh, caught up in the conversation, uh, laughing and telling stories. And, uh, and they let all the kids go over and play within this little rock enclosure, uh, this little barrier that separated the dining area from the parking lot. And uh, my mom, while they were letting them play and all talking, my mom looked at my dad and she said, Now, Michael, watch Riley because I'm going to run to the restroom real fast and I'll be right back. Okay? Some of you are laughing like you know what's happening. My mom told my dad, Just watch him. I'll be right back. Well, she came right back. She came right back when all of a sudden a woman to this day who we do not know is walking up from the dimly lit parking lot with a toddler in her hands, okay? And all of my mom's friends start asking, they're saying, is that Riley? Oh, my goodness, is that Riley? Melissa, is that Riley? 
And that toddler, I have to tell you this morning, was Riley Bedard in the hands of a stranger walking out of a dark parking lot. And uh, you should have seen the panic that hit my parents' face at the thought of what could have been. Also, with the simultaneous reaction of relief, because there was a good Samaritan who brought him back from wandering off. You see, my father must have thought that there were enough eyes to see if Riley was going to head off away from the group, but his little legs were too fast for anyone to notice that a Tasmanian devil had left the premises. All my mother could see were the helicopter lights and cop cars that never were, as they would have had to have conducted a search and rescue. Uh, If this doesn't describe the dichotomy between a mother and a father, I'm not sure what does. But each one of you probably have your own story of losing a child. I'm looking at some of you, and I was there when some of you lost your child. And it was not pretty (laughs) at all. Okay? I stared at one individual on purpose. Um, But hear me. That situation at the barbecue restaurant where we lost Riley for about three minutes, all right, that, that kind of dims in comparison to Mary losing her child for three days. But listen to me. Let, let, let me tell you what's crazy about all this. What's crazy about all this is that even in that moment, even in a moment like that, Mary treasured it. She treasured it. In a moment of... Uh, great panic. I mean, can you imagine searching Jerusalem for days? I guarantee you there wasn't a wink of sleep happening during those nights for her and Joseph, especially her. But even in that moment, she treasured it. She treasured the moment, a moment when she realized her boy was not with them, a moment when they hurried back to Jerusalem and searched the city looking for her son. In a moment of that level of anxiety, she treasured the journey. Every step of the journey, Mary picked up the memory, she folded the experience, and she tucked it right into her heart. It's as if she had an internal photo album reminiscing of what has happened in the past while also looking forward to where things would go in the future. Mary pondered the works that God had placed over her son. She marveled at what he would grow up to be in spite of the fears and anxieties that came along the way. Listen to me, moms. She understood that the destination was well worth the journey. I think a lesson for mothers uh, today is to lean back in the journey and treasure what you're living in right now. Enjoy it. You see, I know this is a lot easier said than done, but live in the moments that God has given you and understand that moments are never repeated. Moments are never repeated. Now, hear me. Uh, You may repeat the same function 50 times a day, seven days a week. But you'll never repeat the same moment. Never the same opportunity to uh, to sow a seed of love and compassion. Never the same opportunity to instill godly value. Are you hearing me this morning? Appreciate where God has placed you because there's purpose behind the moments. Do you hear me this morning? As a mom, there's a lot of monotonous. There are times when you could feel tied more to the schedule of your children than the schedule of your preference, correct? 
There's times when all you do is wipe down a table or wipe up a kid. There's days where you're lucky to get a single pair of socks on that match. But listen to me. All of those moments, each of those interactions go towards a bigger picture. They go towards a bigger picture. Your work may be exhausting and your work may seem endless, but there's an internal investment that is accruing when you look beyond the busyness and see into the purpose. Something incredible I heard this week from a lady named Noelle Piper. Noelle Piper. She is from a group called the Gospel Coalition. And uh, what I heard her say, I believe, is going to encourage you today. And what she said, and I'm paraphrasing this part. I'll give you a quote in a second. But what she said is that motherhood is divided into chapters. Motherhood is divided into chapters. She said when you're in a particular chapter of motherhood, you can be caught up in the current of being rushed and feeling uh, uh, restricted from your desire to reach out beyond what you're currently capable of doing and then doing what's on your heart. You can feel restricted from that. She said, uh, she explained that there were times when she wanted as a mother to branch out in various areas of ministry, but she was unable to due to the chapter of motherhood and not calling for that at that particular time. And this is the sentence that she said that I thought would be so encouraging to you. She said, and I want you to hear this, she said, I don't think God ever intended for us to do all that we could do at every stage of our life. She said, I don't think God ever intended for us to do everything we could do at every single stage of our life. Do you know what that means for you moms? That means that you're not supposed to do everything you're capable of, capable of right now. There's different stages of your life. You see, there are things you're called to do that God has laid on your heart. Am I correct? But you feel restricted from them. Hear me, okay? I want you to listen to me. You have a desire that is to be written out in a different chapter. Take some encouragement in that. You have a desire. God laid it on your heart, but it's just to be written out in a different chapter. See, where you're at is temporary. Where you're at is very temporary. It's fleeting. More is coming, and it's going to be different. There's going to be changes, but right now... It's time to be like Mary. It's time to be like Mary and ponder the small joys of where you are. Embrace the different phases and circumstances as gifts. Embrace them as gains. Treasure these moments in your heart and relax in knowing that God's grace is sufficient for where you're at. Does this make sense? You see, you're training leaders, whether they're little leaders or big adult leaders, Okay, but you need to model for them fluidity and grace. Amen. Amen. Now, briefly, I want to talk to you about a chapter of motherhood that I I do not ever want to go unnoticed. Okay, because this chapter of motherhood has the potential to change an entire generation of her family and honestly, all of those surrounding them. Okay, this chapter of motherhood that I'm talking about, it's it's a mother who necessarily isn't able to get around as much as she used to a mother who does isn't as involved as she wants to be but is still able to pray amen you see when you no longer have a hand in the everyday life of your kids your job now is to pray is there a mom in the house who can testify to that 
I believe personally that praying moms are so effective because they have a God-given fervency for their children that no one else can relate to. Amen. Where would we be without a praying mom? I guarantee you we wouldn't look like we are right now if we didn't have a mama who was praying for us. You see, I can remember many times growing up, and we'd go to my, uh, my, my great-grandmother's, Meme and Meme Johnson and uh, our grandma Bowden, and we would go to them asking them to pray about certain things, and it was all because we needed God to move, and we knew they were the ones who could get it done. Correct? As a mother in the later years of life, when nothing is as easy as it used to be, when you have to get in a vehicle or a plane to go see your kid, instead of walking down the hallway, the greatest tool in your tool belt is prayer. The greatest tool in your tool belt is prayer. Is anybody hearing me this morning? You see, whenever you raised your child and they were in your home, you felt like you had a good grasp on what they were doing, who they were around, and what was going on. But when they leave from out from under your covering, you have nothing to hold on to tangibly. But the one thing you can hold on to is the prayer, knowing that the Holy Spirit is there working on your behalf. You see, prayer is something that you've done most likely for your children all of their life, but now... When they're out of arm's reach, prayer is all you have to hold on to. Not only is prayer going to bless them, but it's going to bless you knowing that there's nowhere too far for the Holy Spirit to reach. There's nowhere too miry for the blood not to clean. And there's no yoke too strong for the anointing not to break. Amen. I want to encourage you this morning, you elder mothers, and let you know that you can do more from a wheelchair or a lazy boy recliner at 80 talking to God than you ever could at 35 running around town for your kids. Amen. You may wish, I want to make this clear, you may wish you could still do everything you used to. And that's completely more than understandable. I would too. But don't let the devil's lies of him saying you're useless and more of a hassle than you're worth ever sell you short. Don't ever let that sell you short. I I, I remember my great-grandma always saying she was too much of a hassle for us. You are never too much of a hassle. You are always the mom that the kids are going to love. They're always going to call you, but don't let the devil sell you short because you are going to operate in a new chapter. Enjoy the moment where you're at. Let the Lord use you. This morning, uh, something the Lord laid on my heart to cover with you today is the fact that as a mom, you can suffer with immense pressure and even guilt that almost no one except another mother could relate to. Is that accurate? Oftentimes, this weight you live under as a mother is titled mom guilt. You ever heard of that? I know all the moms this morning have. And I want you mothers to listen to me today because I have heard genuinely... I'm not just blowing smoke. I have heard genuinely almost every mother I know mention at one time or another something that they felt heavy over having done, something they felt heavy over having said or regretted, something that they wish they made a different decision on, wishing they'd made a a different decision on how they handled uh, their child, uh, wishing they'd done it in a different manner. And the truth is some of these things that you deal with that guilt trip you, they, they haunt you. The things that you uh, stay up at night thinking over that you can't go to sleep because they're rolling around through your head, they haunt you. 
You see, mom guilt, it's kind of like an umbilical cord because if you think about it, it's connected from you to your kid. And the more you feed into it, the more it's going to affect their growth. I remember the times growing up as a child where I could feel the pressure from the adults that were in the room. I, I, I could sense tension and I could sense emotion. And you know, the funny thing about kids is that they might not be able to read a word off of a page, but they can read somebody better than most adults. They can read the situations that are challenging people within a room. Now hear me, the emotion that affects you as a mother and weighs you down, I'm not trying to place a burden on you, but it is not hidden from your children. It is not hidden from your children. And the reason why you feel that way might be hidden, okay? The root of the problem might be hidden, but the emotion that you're facing is a reality that whether you know it or not is being transmitted. Your kids can pick up on more than you think. Believe it or not, I want you to look with uh, me back in Luke chapter 2 at verse 35 because Mary had some insight into pain as a mother. What did it say in Luke chapter 2 verse 35? Mary's told by Simeon in regard to son to her son um, Jesus Christ that a sword will pierce your own soul too. A sword will pierce your own soul too. What's that mean? It means that Mary would experience extreme anguish and pain when her own suffer her own son would suffer as well as her. Listen to me, moms. It is natural inside of you to suffer when your babies suffer. It's natural for you to be sensitive and want the best for your children. But listen to me. If the enemy can do it, what he's going to do is he's going to stir the pot of your soul and he's going to guilt trip you over something that you're not guilty of. Are you all awake? He's going to try and trip you up and make you grieve over something that your child's not grieving about. You see, the enemy wants to drop you in tumultuous waters. He wants to blow things out of proportion and cause people to react based off of emotion. And it's time, I'm telling you, in the church, because whenever you're in bondage, the whole church is... Uh, tied down to a little bit of bondage because we are the body of Christ and we have to make up for the part that's in pain. I'm telling you, for the church, it's time to cut the cord of mom guilt and to breathe unrestricted by the hurt of something that never killed anybody. Listen to me. Right now, I'm going to offer you three pairs of scissors to cut this cord, okay? Three pairs of scissors. Number one, I want you to know perfect moms don't exist. Perfect moms don't exist. There is no one perfect way to be a perfect mother. But I'm going to tell you, there are a million ways to be a good mother. A million ways to be a good mother. I want you to know it's not all about the route you take as long as you arrive at the same destination. I'm going to say that again. It's not all about the route that you take as long as you arrive at the same destination. What's the destination? Rearing a child to honor and to love and to serve the Lord faithfully. Uh, No mom is immune to mistakes. But hear me, it's how you handle them that will make your children really respect you. I'm speaking from my own life experience. 
looking back over my childhood, some of the most impressive moments I can think of when it comes to my mom is not when she always got it right, which she, yes, she most of the time was, but some of the most impressive moments I can think back of regarding my mother is when she got it wrong, but was able to come to me and apologize. It means the world. It means the world for your kid, no matter what age they are, to know that you understand and don't have to be right just because you said so. I'm telling you right now, there is power in humility and playing on a level field with them. Amen? The second pair of scissors I'm going to give you for you to just cut that cord of mom guilt out of your life because it, it really has no place. The second pair of scissors I want to hand you is that comparison is the greatest thief of joy. Comparison is the greatest thief of joy. I just want to ask, is anybody getting anything from this this morning? I don't know if you've noticed, I'm not a mother, but I am uh, uh, hopefully prayed up enough to convey something to you that I think the Lord will bless you with. Comparison is the greatest thief of joy. Living in the age of social media coupled with the standard of what you were raised like or at least what you wish you were uh, raised like, it can rob you of joy when compared to your current reality. It can rob you of joy. You see, your grass is never going to look green enough if you keep staring across the fence. Families are like fingerprints. Okay? Families are like fingerprints. There's no two exactly alike. Personalities and realities are like smorgasbords. So don't be discouraged when yours doesn't seem to shine as bright as someone else's who posted the best picture they have online. What's important and what's going to matter is that you raise your family to have a wealth that's not in materialistic living, but a wealth in spirit, a wealth that is going to last with eternal value. You see, you need to get offline. You need to throw away the Christmas card. And what you need to do is you need to cultivate a harvest within your home where the fruit produced will be of eternal benefit. Hear me. If you sow seeds of faithfulness in due time, you won't have to post a picture on Facebook or send a Christmas card for the world to know that your family is blessed. Stop comparing and invite God to work where you are. Take the baby steps that are necessary. The third pair of scissors and the last pair of scissors I'm going to talk about is the fact that your children treasure special moments, not things. They treasure special moments, not things. At 20, 30, or 40 years old, your children will never, I'm telling you, they will never remember every purchase you made as they came across up in the store that they just had to have on impulse. They're never, they're never going to remember all that. How many of you remember all of that? Nobody. But listen to me. What they will remember is going to be the special times, the family drives, going and eating around the dinner table, sharing the funny stories of when things went wrong, hearing about the hard times that came around and how you responded to them. You see, don't feel sick when you deprive little Sally of something that you can't afford. 
don't feel sick when you cannot afford to buy something your boy has wanted all year long. Because listen to me, when it boils down to it, character is built off of moments, not items. I want you as a parent to look at what kind of moments you're intentionally spending with your child. Look at the moments. Uh, when, when they speak to you, how about you try putting your phone down? When you're busy cooking after school or getting them dressed for school or church, ask them questions. Ask them uh, questions. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them a cool story from the Bible. Ask how their day was. Take interest in them. Grow in intentionality. Grow in intentionality. You see, that intentionality is what's going to last when the toy they wanted is broken or thrown in a corner to be forgotten until you're the one who picks it up. Amen? Mom guilt. It's a vacuum towards your joy and your energy. It will suck the life out of you. And today, I'm telling you, it's my desire that you would transfer that same energy and use it to inspire motivate and invest in your kids because they love you just the way you are i want you as a mom to know we love you just the way you are amen and and hear me hear me when that devil tries to jump on your shoulder mom when that devil tries to jump on your shoulder and drag you down i want you to keep in mind that just because you're a mom doesn't mean you're not also a daughter you're not, it doesn't mean you're not a daughter. Under the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, you're adopted into a royal bloodline. You're a part of a royal family. And let me tell you, it's a bloodline that the devil can never be grafted into, and therefore he has no power against a daughter of the king. I want you to remember your identity. Now, this morning, I, I feel led of the Lord to go ahead and do this. I wasn't going to do this, but I wrote down something that I've just called uh, ten tidbits from uh, a son whose mama did it right. Ten tidbits from a son whose mama did it right. And so I'm just going to cover these with you really quickly. And if you want these after church, tell me I'll get you a copy. But tidbit number one, these are very quick. There's only ten of them. Every child at one point is prone to tell stories, stories to tattle, stories to get out of trouble. You as a mom need to tell your kids that the only stories worth telling are from Genesis to Revelation. Number two, church wasn't something we had to do. It's what we got to do. Present the house of God as a privilege, moms. If they hear you grumble over going, then you're only desecrating the house of God in their mind. Number three, read your Bible. Raise your hands. Find yourself in an altar uh, in front of them frequently. Why? Because you shouldn't expect them to do something they've never seen from you. Number four, provide a home that is an atmosphere of peace. And when they go into the world out from under your covering and they experience anything less, they won't stay part of it long. They're going to be unsatisfied with anything less. 
Number five, show them the joys of serving and giving and then let them see the fruit of it. Let them experience the blessing of serving. Let them know how good it feels to do something for Jesus. Whenever you pay your tithe, or maybe you pay a a big uh, sum above your tithe, and, and God blesses you, how about you tell them about it? How about you tell them the story? How about you testify? How about you let them see what it looks like to have faithfulness in action and what's reaped from it? Number six, teach your kids to not be critical of others. This was a big thing for me. Uh, Teach your kids not to be critical of others. If they can understand where someone came from, they can much more easily tolerate why they are how they are. Everybody has a story, and your child needs to understand that. Number seven, kids don't ask for perfection. They ask for authenticity. They do not ask for you to be a perfect mom. They ask for you to be an authentic mom. Okay, when you've been wrong or even maybe a little hypocritical, I know y'all are never that way. Don't be afraid to explain to them and apologize what was going on. Okay, they won't hold it against you more than a decade or so. Okay, moving on. Number eight, this is very important. This is very important. Always try to find humor in the most stressful of situations. Always try to find humor in the most stressful or chaotic of situations. I'm telling you, if you look for something to laugh at, you'll typically find it. Look for the humor. You're going to rob yourself of a lot of soundness of mind if you take this life too seriously. The voice of anxiety is never louder than your laugh, and laughter really is the best medicine. Don't you agree? Number nine. Number nine. This is maybe the most important, if not second to most important. It's important to never let temporary dysfunction outweigh lifelong relationship. Never let temporary dysfunction outweigh lifelong relationship. Whatever broke you apart should never be allowed to leave you apart. Don't let important things go unsaid. It's never too late to start building a bridge. Number 10, let your children know that the only fighting that is acceptable is when your nose is against the carpet or your knees are knelt beside a bed. You've got to teach them to pray. Pray in front of them. Pray with them. Don't assume that they're going to get it. If they don't see you doing it, it ain't going to happen. Don't say amen to that and then leave and, don't, and not do anything about it. You're sending your own family to a dark future if you don't teach them to pray. Now, this morning, lastly, what I want to leave you with is if you have a prodigal today, I want you to please know that your prodigal is not immune to your prayers. Your prodigal, I'm going to say it again, is not immune to your prayers. They are not as resistant to the Holy Spirit as you think. You will never know the jabs they get in the middle of the night from the Holy Ghost that you have no clue are happening. When you worry for them, remember God checks in on your children. He knocks on their door. He peeks through their window to ensure that they're all right. 
and he'll never, never quit tugging at their heart. You just keep praying. You stay faithful and you stay available. Amen. Amen. This morning, it's, it's Mother's Day. And it's a good time to be alive. It's a good time to be in the house of God. It's a good time to be in the church. And I'm so grateful that I was raised by a mother. I was raised by a wonderful uh, mother and uh, had grandmothers who were faithful to God. And uh, this morning, I, I don't know what this just hit me for, but the Lord is telling me that there's no greater gift a mother could have than to know her children are saved. There's no greater gift a mother could have to know her, than her children are saved. So right now, how about you give your mama the, the greatest gift that they could ever have on a Mother's Day? And if you're not saved this morning, I would like everybody to bow your head, close your eyes. I'm not going to call you to the front or anything at all. I, I'm not about to call you to the front. Don't get all cagey on me because of that. But if you're in this room, and maybe you don't have a right relationship with the Lord, but you'd like to, this morning I would like for you just to raise your hand up and say, you know what, I'd like to restore my relationship, or I'd like to have a relationship with the Lord. If that's you this morning, raise your hand, not a person's looking around. Thank you. Glory to God. Thank you. Anybody else? You don't know how long you've got. You don't know how long you've got. There is a faithfulness that the Lord wants to show you in your life, if you'll just open up your hands and receive it. Anybody else? Okay. Anybody, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Praise God. Okay. This morning we come before you, Lord, and I want you to repeat this after me, those of you who are raising your hands. Lord, we, we, we thank you for who you are to us. And Jesus, I ask you right now that your Holy Spirit would be made real to every single one of these people who raised their hand. Now, if you raised your hand, I want you to repeat after me this prayer for salvation, this prayer to restore your faith. And know that it needs to be sincere. And know that the Lord is going to take you on a journey that you could never prepare for yourself. So repeat after me, Jesus, I, I, I am a sinner. I, I am hopeless without you. I, my life is nothing if it doesn't have you in it. And right now, Lord, I recognize my need for you. I recognize that salvation is for everybody, no matter what I look like, no matter where I've come from. I realize I don't deserve this gift of getting to be with you in heaven for eternity after I die. But right now, in this very moment, Right now, in this very moment, I surrender my heart to you. I rededicate my life to you. And I believe, with beyond a shadow of a doubt, that someday when you crack open that eastern sky and you call us home, I'm going to be in that number. Lord, I believe in the blood that was shed for me on Calvary. I believe it's for the remission of my sins. I believe that you're 
you died and rose again. God, I believe in you, and I submit to you as my Lord and my Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen.